Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that never skimps on cardio day. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're closing out our Summer of Slasher series by heading into the apple orchard and peeling back the layers of the meta masterpiece that is behind the mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. But before we get in that, let me remind you we're a part of the Boom Howdy podcast network. Boom Howdy. You can find our past episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your practice makes perfect hole. There it is. And if you are out wandering out there in the... Uh, the Apple Orchard and you pick up a little Wi-Fi, you can follow us on social media. Uh, We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And Facebook is actually where, if you are in the Kansas City area, you can find out where we will be doing spooky and spectacular things. Yeah, all our uh, spooknanigans. Ooh, spooknanigans. Ooh, yeah. I like that's the shenanigans in the month of October. Yeah. Or specifically tied to a horror podcast, I guess. Uh, but as this episode releases on uh, Friday, July 26th, the very next night at the Screenland Armor, at 10 o'clock, we are going to be taking in a film that... It's not a fun film. No. It's not a film that leaves you truly inspired. It's a dour film, but it's rad as shit. Such a good movie. It is George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Uh, the darkest day in horror, man. It, a classic. A zombie masterpiece. It truly is. And I know that they mentioned it was kind of with the push from Strangers, uh, Stranger Things 3 mm-hmm. that it's getting a little bit more love, which I love. Which is great. Because this is kind of, I think, the underrated of the trilogy. Um, so make sure to come check that out. That'll happen at 10 o'clock. We salute you. <laughs> yeah. Choke on them all. Uh, then the following Tuesday at the Alamo Draft House as part of Terror Tuesday, uh, I believe the goth gangster princess said it best. Sawa is family. Uh, there's a 20-year uh, anniversary of Idle Hands. Golly. First of all, that's fucking awesome. Second of all, 20 years? Shit. I remember distinctly seeing it in the theater. Me too. Me too. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn so I can work with my truck. Jack Noseworthy's character where he's all about his truck. I, and it's been a while since I've seen this film. It's been a minute, but I remember it fondly. Oh, there's a few reasons, I'm sure. We won't <laughs> we won't go creeps and nostalgia here on this particular episode, uh, but that'll be on July 30th, so make sure to go and check that out because Terror Tuesday should be part of your full-on horror diet uh, on, a weekly, on a weekly basis there. Now, before we close everything out in the month of July with our whole Summer of Slasher series, um, the day we're recording this, we got some very sad news. Right, shocking news. And if you're in the you know a fan of genre films, because if you're a fan of genre films, this actor is so ingrained in the DNA of so many just genre masterpieces, just steeped, and not just one genre, genre all over, all over everywhere. And you, even normies know of this man. Absolutely, it's it's so sad and. It's, it stings even more because over on Nerds of Nostalgia, 
We did a whole thing. A whole summer of this man. Yeah. Two month movies worked and talked about it. And we, we released our double feature not but two days ago. And like not even two days ago. Yeah, like what yesterday? It was it was and horrible. so like now boom. So well, Rudger Hauer. Which yeah. It, you listen, I'm getting older, you're getting older, the people we grew up with, they're getting older. Right. There's an inevitability to all of this in which I understand they can't be with us forever. Because and that's the other thing. Technically, they will be with us forever. Mm-hmm. These particular people that we have grown attached to because of our fondness for their films, yeah, you know, they will they will live on in, in memory forever. But it's just so sad now to be in a world without Rutger Hauer. But like you said, we will still have the Rutger Hauer movies. They will not be lost like tears in rain. No, they will not. So, I mean, it, Blind Fury, you know. Well, we just went, uh, we talked actually that in The Hitcher. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about one of my favorite secret slashers, pseudo slashers. But his performance as John Ryder yeah. is so S- next level. Just terrifying. Just terrifying. It's the, it's those blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Those the cold one, steel blue eyes. He he had the he. I mean, initially, and I should actually say a special shout out to the movie Nighthawks, for not only being I think it was his first American role uh, opposite Billy D. Williams and still Sylvester Stallone, but that film shows up all over in Terror in the Isles. Yeah, if you remember, I love Terror in the Isles. Yeah, weirdly enough, because Nighthawks isn't a horror film per se. <laughs> Weird. It's got Rutger Howard, genre actor. Right. Why not? And I wonder if maybe a lot of us that was maybe our first interaction with with Rutger Howard. But he would go on. You know, Lady Hawk is another great one. Recently, Hobo with a Shotgun. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in Batman Begins. He was like, much like a Bill Paxton, where if he was, he could be like a subtle ingredient in your dish, and it would he would make it that much better. Yeah. Or he could be the main focus of it, and it's still that. It's still great. Yeah. yeah. Now he's just one of those great character actors that was able to really transcend all the films, and like you said, Blade Runner is probably the one he's most known for. But for me, it's Blind Fury all the way. Totally all the way. He he's so good, so good in that. So whatever you are drinking, if you're drinking something, raise it up, pour one out. But uh, rest in power, rest in peace. May he be with us forever. One Rutger Hauer. Ah, well, let us celebrate the works right. then. You know, again, and also check out many of his works that's out there. Check out his work with Paul Verhoeven. There's some really good stuff out there. Check out that cool commercial that you dug up. Oh, where the Guinness? He, yeah, the Guinness commercial. He did an entire Guinness campaign, and it's awesome. <laughs> Check it out. It is out on YouTube. But before we go behind the mask here, Genius, I need to ask, um, self-aware horror or meta-horror? Uh-huh. And in fact, if I just say meta-horror, what, what comes to mind for you? Oh, I genuinely enjoy meta-horror. Okay. I like when horror can make fun of itself okay. and, and know its foibles and say point them out. You know what I'm saying? You can't mess with anybody until you mess with yourself first. The you whole know? self-deprecation right. kind of thing. So when meta is done right and done cleverly, I find it extremely hilarious. I mean, or, or wonderful. Like Scream is a fantastic example okay. of meta horror. So No, and what you said when done right, done correctly, mm-hmm. it's tough to balance, isn't it? Yes, it is. Be- like with any good, like trying to balance even horror and comedy or or how, what are you trying to go for? Are you trying to go for scares? Are you right. trying to go for laughs? So, yeah, it's a it's definitely a tightrope walk. It is. It is. And it's one of those that we've seen it throughout um, the whole... I'd probably say... Because most people, they think Scream mm-hmm. when you think meta-horror. But, you know, there are a few films before then that actually touched upon that as well. Um, Fright Night is one. Uh-huh. I was very aware. 
even like Cannibal Holocaust to a certain degree. So it's been kind of peppered throughout, but it wasn't probably until like the mid 90s that it really kind of exploded with the Kevin Williamson's uh, just that self-aware horror. Mm -hmm. And it was steeped, I think, in appreciation of the stuff that went on in the 80s because it was a callback and a comment on the tropes that were created back then. Right. And even the meta horror now, like Final Girls. Yes. I mean, that's a that's a great meta horror movie. They get sucked into an actual horror movie. Yeah. I mean, and, and it still follows the tropes of the 80s. Like you said, I think it's something about the golden heyday of horror where it's like everybody loves it. But now let's like see why we love it. And then let's also look at it with um, maybe, you know, a, a little bit of logic and rational and go, wait a minute. Grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, something's not really working here. Uh, but that brings us to 2006's Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which for me was a film that I had heard because that was on the nascent days of me kind of trolling a lot of the, the websites. So mm-hmm. your Ain't It Cools, uh, your Chud.com. Uh, and there was there was rumblings of this, again, self-aware meta horror film. That was just next level. It was making the the festival circuits, but I I couldn't. I had no access to it. And I distinctly remember the day I got my wisdom teeth pulled. Uh Uh-oh. Amy (laughs) at the time, had she was like, do you want to watch any movies? And I couldn't talk. And so I started writing some stuff down. And I was kind of in a haze because I had just come out of it. I distinctly remember I wrote down Revenge of the Nerds. Again, you know. And behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. And she looked at him. She's like, I, what is this other one? I was like, she went to the video store, picked up Revenge of the Nerds, no behind the mask. But even in a stupor, after having my wisdom teeth pulled, I wanted something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that just speaks to the power of you almost just the, um, the prestige from what I heard with this film. Yeah. Do you remember your first interaction with it? I remember it was not at the theater. Okay. Yeah, I know. This. <laughs> This is one that a true cult classic. I'm trying to remember if I was working at the video store, if or if I was trying, if I just went to get it at the video store. So I'm trying to remember where it was. I don't remember my first time, but I remember distinctly going. I heard a lot of buzz about this. I heard this was good because, like you said, it was the ain't it cool. Dot com like oh check it out Leslie Vernon is great and then I would look mm-hmm. at the trailer I'm like this looks pretty fucking fun mm-hmm. so when it came out I was aware of it and I was I think I think I just blind bought it and just went okay let's see it and just was pleasantly surprised yeah it's smart it's funny there's some genuinely good scares in it yeah it, on the, when you you talked about at the beginning it's tough to find the balance of that mm-hmm. and I think this film does kind of balance everything so in order to go into just the topic itself what the the movie consists of let's go ahead and look at some of the three G's yeah that we've done throughout these last two months um, the gimmick of this film I think really sets the tone for everything yeah it's brilliant it's a brilliant gimmick because we've all we're all horror fans, and then we're like, and even normies were like, that's stupid. How can he get from one side of the camp extremely to the other side of the camp, and nobody can see, and nobody knows, or he can take all these bullets, and he still rises up. You know, that's stupid. That's bullshit. And like, no, you just got to kind of believe it. But in right. this one, it doesn't say... You kind of got to believe it. It's like, let us show you how. It's kind of like a peek behind the curtain on how your favorite serial killer works. And it's it's just, like I said, it's brilliant because, like, that's what I wanted to know. Not yeah. all the time, but like, man, you know what? I wonder how he gets from one side of the camp to the other real quick. So, yeah. And then also it sets the tone that not uh, only does he exist in a world where 
Michael Myers is real. Right. Jason Voorhees is real. Freddy Krueger is real. They exist in the world, and he is ultimately emulating them. <laughs> They're which his is, heroes. They are. Which, and you know, many of us grew up loving them, but I don't think you know. The, this take posits the idea of well, what if someone is an inspiring Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger? Yeah. How do they get their start? What do they do? And and it's not even that. It's an entire business. There's generations going on. There's like conventions and shit. And that's what. Okay, so that's not my beefs, but it's like one of the things I wanted to bring up. They live in a world where all this is real. Where mm-hmm. where there were the Haddonfield. There's a Haddonfield. There's a Spring Springwood. There's Crystal a, Lake a Crystal down Lake, in New Jersey. Right. So my question is now, <laughs> going forward, we meet. Um, Oh, Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson. And we, we meet his character. So I'm thinking he's like he's a retired serial killer. Mm-hmm. So are the Jasons and the Michaels and the Freddies, are they like humans just doing the stunts? Or like have they elevated like spoilers? I think they're still human because, and total spoiler, but he even here at the end of our movie, you know, um, Leslie looks like he's dead, but he comes back. I think they're initially human, and I think that the whole thing is they're not put down initially. Like, they think they're dead, but they're not necessarily. Ah. So I don't think there's actually any, technically any supernatural entities until, you know, Freddy, you know, technically. Okay, so no, here's my thing about that. Okay, so if everybody's human, let's say this is like the Batman universe of slashers, okay? Where it's like the dark, gritty, realistic. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this is the dark night of horror. Freddy, that means Jason's a human. Okay, because right. I'm buying into everybody's human logic. Sure. That's where I'm going with this. And like you, now my thing is, I don't know. At the end, when he dies, does that mean he's elevated and becomes right. supernatural, or he, like you said, he's not over dead? I'm ready. I'm willing to buy into your theory. He's not dead. Everybody thinks he. Because they mentioned he's he does that whole transcendental thing to slow down his pulse. pulse uh huh. Exactly. So. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Basically, the movie is everybody, he's showing how he does stunts and how he prepares. All the preparation. Okay. So that means Jason does the prep too. Michael does the prep too. Can you imagine what Freddy has to do to like pull off all like, of his stuff? Yeah. Because you have he has to think that he, he his motif is making you think that you're stuck in a dream. So first, he has to like make you go to sleep and... And like make you like feel like you're dreaming. So basically, he's like one do So he's got to do this whole prep. He's got to do this whole prep to make you off your game. And then like, does he have? Well, you know that arm trick that like at the thing is like two is like helpers or these pulley system. That's just that he has to employ. Like he's got an. You know he has an entourage, like a serial killer entourage. Yeah. I mean he has to, <laughs> and he's got to have someone that's like you know I I need my claws done. Right. You know what I mean. <laughs> Serial killers are the most interesting people. I was just telling Mabel the other day they live such interesting lives, right? (laughs) He's getting like no, no, no tips, right? (laughs) So I mean, because you think about it, like Leslie Vernon makes everything real, Mm -hmm. okay? Freddy's got to be this crazy, 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 crazy thing. I can't imagine like people wanting to be in the Freddy crew is like Jabber, like the dance crew is like Jabberwocky and shit. They all got like the hats. Doom, boom, boom. Do you think boom. he's very critical? You know, he's just like, you know, come on, I need a little bit more, you know, something on the sides. Ah, 
Come on, step up your game. Do the Freddy. <laughs> well, and that even it leads credence to the question: Where's Creighton Duke in all this? Yeah, I mean, so if there's if there's a if there's a team or like a profession of slashers, mm-hmm. there has to be a Creighton Duke. There has to be a Tommy Jarvis. Yep. There has to be. I wonder if they have like a monster or a serial killer hunter union. Potentially, you know, oh, you know, and unfortunately, I'm sure Dr. Uh, Loomis is actually on the board, but you know, I've been here six times, right? He's like all pissed off. I haven't got him yet. You know, well, then again, that posits that there is a Dr. Loomis somewhere out there in this world. Also, then technically, I'm curious if Ben Tramer is still alive, because that's the one thing. <laughs> no, regardless, happen in any universe, Ben Tramer's dead. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> and it's all Loomis's I'm, fault. I'm always working for you there, uh, Mr. Tramer. <laughs> Well, this is written directed by uh, Scott Glosserman, and ultimately, going back to the balance there, I think this one works because <laughs> the, the the script itself is tight. Mm-hmm. We mentioned it's funny, it's clever, it's kind of given us insight to a lot of the stuff that we're familiar with, and it's given an extra layer. But honestly, to me, it's the cast that oh, works. Oh yeah, this cast is great. Scott Wilson as Eugene. We've already talked about him. Um, Nathan Basil as Leslie Vernon to me carries this film yeah from the moment he comes on screen he's got that kind of crazy presence the charisma Mm -hmm. almost genuinely likable he's totally likable he just seems like an affable guy you know and he's like hey check it out look let me show you how i'm working basically like if he was a woodworker instead (laughs) of a serial killer He'd be like, that's a very down-to-earth, cool dude. He's over there like, you know, I take a lot of pride in my work, you know? Right. And he's like, I, I, I put a lot of time and patience and preparation, and he does. And so you see what he's doing, and you like, yeah, you know what? He's doing a good job, and he's really proud of his shit, but then you realize, oh, yeah, he's killing people. That's his job. Well, the other gimmick in then is this is kind of like found footage because it, or a docudrama mm-hmm. uh, because then it does follow a uh, group of filmmakers that are basically – Leslie allows them to film as he's gearing up for his big first spree. Yeah. Like this is the one ideally that he's either going to make it or break it. He even mentions like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be alive by the end of this. I don't know if this is going to establish my story. And let's go a little bit into his system. Yeah. Because the, the Leslie system. <laughs> do, 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 do. You know, I, Dennis could be. Uh, if we now, if we were a podcast worth our weight, we would have come up with a thing the for Leslie the Leslie system. system. Let's but, see. Lure, lure. entice. Uh, lie. Um, maybe. Yeah. Or no, just lie, as in lying out on the outside, on the outskirts. <laughs> slay, yeah. But anyway, he actually does lay everything out for us. In fact, he basically establishes that in order to really make a name for yourself, you need at least four things. Starting off, he starts with you need an anchor, which ultimately is your origin story. Mm-hmm. And what I love with this one is it establishes, number one, nature. We have the apple. Yeah. And what's so funny with is he's he's breaking like Leslie is breaking everything down for you. Like he mentions like apples, right? You like that? You know, it's, you know, I like Eden, them apples. Eden, no. right? <laughs> he talks about how like there's almost I believe he calls it like it's the sapphic nature of. Yeah. It, there's the reverse phallic. Yes. There's and he's he's just he's guiding you along and he's so jovial about it. And like I said, like he, he his his intro, he comes in and he's, he's like, you want to see some magic? Like he's all about like sleight of hand. That's another mm-hmm. aspect. That Can you imagine, are you like Michael Myers and Jason just slowly trying to do like a little card game? Or- but it would be the kind of like, he'd want you to pick a card, but you wouldn't know because they don't say anything. So he's like. What you don't get there is just a lot of <laughs> awkward silence. 
And of course, I'm looking the way they do. They're right? not inviting you to like, no. Uh, do you want me to pick a car? You know, he pulls it out from back in the ear. Is this your card? I didn't even pick a card. It's just your ears, your severed ears. Slice. <laughs> yeah, sleight of hand does not work really well with that one. But no, but then like he can turn on a dime and go from like equal parts charming to terrifying because you like you said you remember no, this guy is he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like his sole purpose in life is to kill is a lot of people. Yeah. But it's not just random people. As he tells us, there's a selection process that goes along with that cuz you did like he said you need like a good diverse group in the people that you're going to ultimately slaughter and that goes along with the group the the survivor girl and pals and mm-hmm. it should be noted that this film comes up with that whole term survivor girl and not final girl yeah which i thought was very interesting yeah because it it's not it's not a trademark copyright thing right i don't think so I don't think so. Well, and I know people lately, like, even like Scream Queen, they're trying to do something to elevate the title, which I totally get. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, Survival Girl does actually add to an element of that. That they've actually fucking fought back, you know? I mean, I could be the final person on the game by not doing shit, just exactly. hiding. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean I've done good. But, like, but Survivor like, Girl means, or Survivor means, like, yeah, you've done had to do what you had to do yeah it's almost like they have a superpower that just instant adaptability makes sound more badass yeah it's actually and i like that term a lot and initially in the fact technically the first like two-thirds of this film is a docudrama where yeah. we're following everything along in fact we're it's showing us like tools of the trade where you get an, an element where you do a flyby Right, just to like a random scare. To establish it. it it's totally that moment. It he, totally sets up the tropes. And he even mentions, he's like, she may see me, she may not see me, but she saw me. She right? knows she saw something. And it was just like, like that's how you. That's how I started him out. And like, holy shit, did you see? And he's like, and he's excited when he first, he goes, did you see that right off the bat? She looked at me, she sensed me, she sensed me. Right? And they're and like, he's whoa, they so did. hyped up. <laughs> and that's even, a, they, they're like high-fiving each other, like right? with the camera crew and shit. It's, that's just found the potential victim. Potential person for him to slaughter and all of her friends. And that's the that's the hardest thing. Have you ever seen the movie Man Bites Dog? No, but I know of it. That's and I've seen that, yeah, right? Yeah, that's and I've seen that. That's immediately when I saw this film. It's taking that kind of viewpoint because we're following along someone that we know is reprehensible. Sure does on bone. But does it, you know, does that then, you know, do, are we complicit in it? Yeah, and, and and the camera crew totally is. They Right? In fact, they even mentioned they have a point where they're like... Do we go forward with this? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to kill people. Like, that's going to make us accomplices. Like, do we have an ethical, you know, stance that we need? Do we need to make that? And then finally, he came out and told them, like, okay, from this point on, there's no going back. If you're either with me and to see everything, or you can go now and we'll be done. Yeah. So there was a lot of different cool stuff. And again, they set up the tropes we already mentioned six times. So we have the anchor, and now we have the Ahab. We get an Ahab, yeah. which I really enjoyed a, that. That's which a good is, terminology, too, because it extremely fits in the purpose. Look at, like, for example, Six Loomis. Yep. You know, totally. And who else to be a, a good Ahab, a good Loomis, than fucking Freddy himself? And this is also at this point in 2006 where you got a lot of your 80s horror icons coming back in films like this to wink at the camera because that is a total wink, but his Doc Holleran is totally the Ahabs. And. They, he's so psyched when this guy shows up. In fact, he's sharing with uh, Scott Wilson's character, I got an Ahab. He's like, you got an Ahab? 
and he's so genuinely happy for him. That whole that whole thing when they're hanging out at his house. Yeah, just having dinner. When he's like, when he right before his wife comes in, his wife is so hot. You're just like, ah, oh, you creep. And he, even throughout, if you like look in the back, he's shooting her looks, just little things. But what's funny, and again, we're gonna spoil this movie. Yeah, this movie's spoil. We're spoiling it. He mentions the fact that I found my survivor girl. I'm like, oh yeah, what's this? As it turns out, there is kind of a twist in this film. Mm-hmm. It turns out the the survivor goal we all thought initially he was stalking, that wasn't her. Right. It turns out it was um, Taylor, as played by Angela Godels. She's our main character. Now, she has a really weird connection. I guarantee you've seen a movie she starred in, yep. and I guarantee you remember her line in that film, because <laughs> yep. it's next level, but you're like, who is it? Go back to little film called Home Alone, <laughs> and at the very beginning, Kevin uh, McAllister is what the French call what? Les Incompetents. She is that girl, <laughs> which I love that right? fact. That is so awesome. But Les she, Incompetents. That's a fun thing to say. Like, ugh, they're what what, I, what the French would call Les Incompetents. That's what our our French people call our podcast. Les, <laughs> Les Incompetents. That's our that's our international horror. A little subtitle there. <laughs> but no, I think she plays great as the survivor yeah. girl because she actually. She does everything you need. In fact, Leslie will lay out things like what makes a good survival girl, all these, you know, these characteristics they need to have. And the ultimate one initially was being a virgin. And it's so funny when that initial siege, you think it's going to, when everything they think is going down mm-hmm. and they go to try to warn everyone and you see our, what we think is the survival girl just. And then just partying, just riding cowboy and the camera guy's like, she ain't no fucking she- virgin. And somebody goes, yeah, no virgin knows that move. And it was just, cause it was funny it just was off funny. the cuff. And even before that, uh, even before ever the, the twists and turns, just the interaction between him and the camera guys. Just because they're like, look, this is fucked up, but like, I want to see where it goes, you know. And then when they're the, when they're doing the red herring girl, yes, oh, right. Yes. Those those were a lot of good uh, fun um, interplays to see how like the scares work, the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. And then the guys are like, dude, she's hot, and like, shut up, dude. Like, dude, she's hot. Shut up, dude. Just film. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that was a little bit of genius in that cameraman. No, but there but, was uh, some audience surrogate. The cameraman acted a little bit like, you know, like, dude, that was shit was scary. How do you do was, that? You know, and so like, it was it was fun to see like them interplay and laugh at it. You know, because he would he would genuinely have some good scares. Yeah. Well, hell, even in the the library scene, at one point he leaves. And they're like, where did he go? And then you see someone like parkour yep. over dun, one dun, of the dun, things. Mm-hmm. You mentioned his use of cardio, all the preparation that goes into it. Um, when you see like the last great scene when everything is playing out, you kind of have already been there. Like they've set up the geography of everything. So you're coming back to it knowing what's going to be happening, which is always kind of nice in and of itself. Because that was a good looking apple orchard. That was a scary looking locale. Um Hold on, before yep. I forget, yep. there's um, I want to talk about two people, Scott mm-hmm. Wilson and Zelda Rubenstein. Ah, Zelda Rubenstein, yes. <laughs> First, let's talk about Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson was fantastic in this well, movie. Well, and his initial introduction... His introduction was great! It was so funny! She mentions, they go to his house, she's like, oh, he's back in his little chamber, and so he apparently had like a little sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> Where like, he, like, he sleeps and just rests. But they had to dig it out because it was in a goddamn coffin. It was buried like was six buried. feet underground. And he goes, what day is it? He goes, it t- no, what time is it? Yeah. 7 p.m. Tuesday? Thursday. Thursday. And he goes, holy shit. So <laughs> He's that's dressed up a like, hell of an introduction. Yeah, it is. And then also his level of rage when he's talking about some of these. 
And this film also, not only is it talking about the films of the 80s, but also a lot of the films of today. Oh, he's talking about some torture porn. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And it gets a, there's a whole little gag where he's chopping up carrots. Very much like Long Kiss Goodnight. He's all pissed off talking about, you know, these people, it's all about padding their numbers and it's not about the craft. Any asshole can go in and make a couple of contraptions and destroy tons of people, but it takes a real art. Well, meanwhile, he's like, chop, 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 It takes a real artist to really prepare. Next thing you know, it's like fucking mush. It's just like fine, fine, fine powder. Yeah, it's just like sprinklings. Serial killers do that. Right. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so two questions. His wife, was that an, another serial killer or was that, that was a survivor that girl? That was a survivor girl. That was a survivor girl. They that he, made a little small talk like, yeah, you almost got me, Almost right? got me there. Uh, but yeah. I got you. Uh-huh. Which, whew, that I would actually, you know what? I wouldn't mind a prequel focusing on them. On them. See how, how, how did they get together? How Freddie met Sally or something like that. How Michael met. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Yeah, that would be weird. That, that would, would be, be weird. weird. Uh, it could <laughs> work. It could work. So who is Scott Wilson supposed to be? Okay, I went to the the Wild West that is the internet. They made mention there's some thoughts that he might actually be Billy from Black Christmas. Ah. Because there are... But he didn't go... <laughs> he wasn't... <laughs> That's what I read. That's what I read. But there are so many Easter eggs strewn throughout this film of other references to the point and that's um christine shows up there is the mm-hmm. the red kane hodder shows up on elm street on elm street living in freddie's house yep uh, uh when they walk by and then they pan and the two little girls are playing skipping rope in the white dresses in the, in and the everything. park yeah yeah they pass by the red rabbit lounge and again a lot of these if you're familiar with them it just adds to it. But if you're not... If you're not, it's just another like, okay, cool. But there's there's a lot of love in this film. And I think that's why I actually enjoy it as much as I do because it's genuine. Yeah. It wasn't made in a snarky, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. No. It's literally, I we love these films. Let's make a love letter to it. But at the same time, let's comment on it. It's showing its love. And it's showing like, its work. Yeah, it's definitely showing its work because this is what we like and this is how we envision these magic things happen. And this is... Again, our little commentary on it. But then when the switch happens, I really like the way they did that. Well, it's great because, again, for the first hour of the film, it's a docudrama. There is no backing music. There is no score. We are just following these people along. And the minute that she goes, this documentary is over. And then it poof, turns we into get cinematic. Mm-hmm. We get scope. We get score and everything. And then from there on, you get like the last third of a slasher film. Yeah. And this is where everything plays out. And what's crazy is that there's an assumption that because of the bond that the filmmakers made with Leslie initially, you know, they celebrated his triumphs when, you know, the then survivor girl got the note and started doing all the research, what led us to Zelda Rubenstein, mm-hmm. which of all the people you get Robert England and her in this film. Oh, this library is clean. You know, even the micro fish didn't have much on it. The way he explained how like happenstance, you mm-hmm. they find the exact article that they need it's, it, it was well and if well you're gonna have crafted. someone give you exposition it needs to be zelda, zelda rubenstein yeah <laughs> she could just like today's special orders are pepperoni pizza five for five <laughs> yeah i'll take i'll take some i'll the, take some <laughs> the crazy bread is blessed now <laughs> going back to because this is a film that really rewards the rewatch yes it does and rewatching it this time there are a few things in here that showed me where the swerve was coming from 
The first one is when they're scoping out the original Survivor Girl at her work. And the guy, the boyfriend The red herring Survivor up. Girl? The, yes, the, the one, the blonde. The, yeah. The one that's not a virgin. Right. Her boyfriend shows up. And at one point, the camera guy goes, who's that? I think it's not. Don't worry about it. Don't, doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know. Don't care. And you real that's your first indicator that if he's as prepared as he says he is with this, he would know who that boyfriend is. So that's your first sign that, like, wait a minute. Why wouldn't he know about that? Why wouldn't he care? That's, you know, a factor in his big thing. Yeah. And then the second one is, I think, initially, that whole idea of the stay or go. Like, this is your opportunity. Give him that chance. And I like that. I like that there's those little bits and pieces throughout there where they're telling you what's ultimately going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, that first watch, it's, it's going to go just whoosh, go right by you. But that's why I think this film works so well by rewatching it. There's just so many good things that come into it. Uh, the Code of Ethics with a slasher. Turns out the closet is a sacred space. <laughs> yeah. That that cracked me up. I loved that. The, there's again, there's ethics behind everything. There's almost like um the honor amongst thieves. Exactly. Going it, on. Once again, it's all about the craft. It, Professionalism. Like I, I I don't think like Leslie Vernon would go to Honey Island Swamp. No. You know? No, he's going to stick around the apple orchard, but this would lead us actually to our second G. Hold on. I think there's a, you missed one, and I might have caught it on the second one. I think the wife of Scott Wilson kind of also. Did she maybe do a little bit of a tell? She was like, he was like, and this is the camera crew. And she goes, oh, is this the girl that you were telling me about? And she goes, he goes, yeah, the camera crew. Like, yeah, okay, come on in. Yep. And so like. They knew because they're like best friends, yep. and so like he would confide a mentor mentee in friendship role, which again, I like that. Another honor amongst thieves, like yeah. hey, I'm getting too old for this shit, you know. It's like I applied for an apprentice position here, you know. Mm-hmm. I heard it's very hands on, very competitive. Let me show you my wares. Here's my portfolio, as you see, as each page is a different skin. The kill curriculum <laughs> vita, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it, it works, it works really well. Um. No, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that, again, they, they kind of in, go into why, uh, you know, they do what they do. But the whole gore gags here, not too not too gory, actually. For mm-hmm. the most part, it's pretty tame. But there's a decent kill that should be talked about where he takes, I think it's a post setter. Yeah. And then cut cuts into a guy, pulls out his heart, puts the heart down into his hand, which I thought was a nice kind of classic kill. But ultimately, nothing too terribly creative or gory. No. No, no, there was nothing like, there was nothing really like over the top. No, and ultimately he has a scythe as his main weapon, which is cool. In looking. fact, his whole his, look, his yeah. gimmick is cool looking. His like kind of like weird no face, baby face type thing. And what the thing I really appreciate is the fact that they show that yes, you have to put the black on the eyes. Yeah, you know, there's the z- Batman prepper nut yes, thing. Yeah, totally. And it gives us that great shot of him going doing that, <sighs> which is unsettling because mm-hmm. it just shows you that this like you said as much as we like hanging out with him initially as much as we enjoy his triumphs you he's, know setting everything up he's about to go kill people randomly and as we see just because you bonded with him he'll still take you out there's mm-hmm. that moment when he's taking when he's on the camera guy i and thought we were friends dude come on what he's, he's like he's trying to appeal to that emotion it's like no this guy is gone yeah like, he's in the midst of his whole thing and oh it's it's like you said. Killer's gonna kill. And as an audience surrogate, he's kind of killing us, the audience mm-hmm. there. So he's, he's killing. He's taking our heart out. He totally is. It's, <laughs> it's frightening. It's frightening. Uh, but ultimately, we get uh, the Ahab coming in and interfering again, as as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I believe if I remember right, he shows up and of course gets hit as a misdirection or a miscommunication. Um, 
And then ultimately we then get the final showdown uh, with our survivor girl and Leslie and everything kind of plays out perfectly. Yeah. In fact, she does the whole thing where she kind of even dresses down for she, the most part. It's like almost the Voorhees sweater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, you know, she reminded me a lot of Adrian King. Yeah. Uh, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. No, actually, no. Amy Steele. Amy, yeah, Amy Steele. I, for I, me, I, for did you go? Did you I go got Adrian original? King. Okay, I got Adrian King on that one. I got, I got a little bit of part one, because you know, I don't know. I, maybe it was the hair. It's see, that's actually the reason I was going Amy Steele as well. It was just that <laughs> uh, we're we're weak. We're just horrible. It's very, <laughs> But, but it's there's there is, there's not a lot of gore, but there is a couple of shots of gratuity. In fact, they even call it out yes. again, like another meta thing, because it just shows nudity. Just like you get these just titties in the screen, just right there. And they're someone like, someone says, "Isn't that gratuitous?" Yeah, I, but who's the one telling the story? I'm telling the story. So they throw it in because they know. If you've got a slasher film, some people are expecting that. Some people, you got to get the gratuitous. It's the 80s. Well, also, technically, one of the gratuitous shots was, it happened several times, but there's an upskirt shot two times in here that's very gratuitous. Very gratuitous. You're like, Again, you're like, there's the gratuity. Who's, like, who's telling the story? Exactly. Granted, we didn't get that on there, but it was just like, okay, throwing that in there. <laughs> But like I said, there's a pretty good balance there. So with the three G's, I think it's the gimmick that really sells this film yeah. that makes it so watchable. And like I said, ultimately rewatchable. And it's something that um, with the recent um, Scream Factory Blu-ray that they put out. Thank you, guys. This is And it's great because it actually includes the movie Crypt commentary, which love. Nice. Yeah, it's Joe Lynch, uh, Adam Green, and Scott Glosserman. They actually, I think they did it back on their 48-hour uh, Save the Yorkie Marathon. Yeah, where they actually sit down with the. They have people come in all the time, and they just do random commentary tracks. Well, I know that the Leslie Vernon universe takes place in the exact same universe as the Hatchet universe, because there's a throwaway line in, um, I believe it's Hatchet Two, where uh, <clears throat> they're going on the swamp tour, and they're looking for hunters, and he goes, "Man, this Victor Crowley guy. He, I heard he's pretty crazy." And he goes, yeah, back where I come from, there's this uh, there's this apple orchard with this dude named Leslie Vernon. And he went around and he killed a whole bunch of people. And then, then like, Tony Tons like, welcome, you know. And so, yeah, so it Damn. exists in the same universe. See, yeah. that's what I love. Yeah. That's what I love. That, that and I love the fact that those modern filmmakers are supporting each other. Yeah. You know, they are allowing people to... It's self-referential. Why wouldn't mm -hmm. it? Hell, yeah, the Hatchet series itself is very much a meta horror comedy series, which makes totally makes sense. Ooh, one more thing we have to talk about yeah. is the very, 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 very end. The closing credits with Psycho Killer. Wonderful. How perfect is the that closing credits? And it's you got the creepy, you got the creepy mortician who I think he's probably eating something while Psycho Killer plays. The whole time you're looking at Leslie Vernon's body, you're like, "Get up, dude." Come on, wait. You know, you know, you're not getting up. You know you're getting up. Yeah. It worked really well. Actually, there's a few other things here I do want to talk about. The fact that there's actually a line in there when they're talking going back to the whole what are we doing? Are we going to go through this where he looks at her and he's like, you know, you chose journalism. I chose this path. You know, it's just the paths that are given us. The fact that he considers himself a part of the good and evil balance. You yeah. Know, good doesn't really isn't worth anything without evil to counterbalance. You mm -hmm. know, he had all these answers ready and replies. But here's the thing. I don't know if you I, I don't know if it's like something that I caught on the second time. 
He's not even Leslie Vernon. That's right. Technically, he's adopting that yeah. persona. He's like, oh, that's, which, I heard about that legend. I'm going to go do it. And why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. But that shows you how unhinged he is, but just how that can happen. You know, you need that good first spree. Like, technically, I guess Friday the 13th Part 2 would be Jason's first big one that yeah. he had. Um, mm-hmm. Halloween, obviously, the first one. Maybe the Jason isn't the real Jason. Maybe the actual Jason died, and that's why he's older. He's like, hey, man, I heard about this guy named Jason. Down in uh, you think it's Lake. just it's just bad instances of copycats? Yeah, it's like all you need is a hockey mask, bear, bear. Look know, at Roy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you talking about me there, genius? <laughs> yeah, you have stickers. You're not yourself. You're not when yourself. You're I I could totally see that as well. <laughs> Actually, technically, if those guys survived, do you think they'd get like sponsors? <laughs> Like, they you know, have like so like Jason's jumpsuit has like Michelin and Dupont or like some machete company. Yeah, there we go. Like Eversharp or like <laughs> you know Mike would definitely get uh, some Ginsu sponsorships. <laughs> Leatherface would be killing it on the uh, the competitive chainsaw circuits or like Michelob for like no yeah he's the competitive chainsaw he's the carver and you can just see like Leatherface like on the big like on a log in the middle of a river the trying to keep it in. <laughs> Turns out his shimmy from part two is what actually keeps him balanced. (laughs) He's got like, you know, of course you have the barbecue. You have the Sawyer family barbecue on. Of course. That's that's his main sponsor. That was the initial sponsor. What's like um, Chico's Bail Bonds, you know, with the uh, Bad (laughs) News Bears. Bears. You got to get your start somewhere. Uh (laughs) God damn. Now I'm thinking with Freddy, it definitely wouldn't be childcare, would it? No. No, Mm. probably not. (laughs) That would be bad. (laughs) Kinder care. Do the Freddy. It'd be Freddy Sleep Clinic or like. Oh, there you go. Oh, no. He would actually be. There would be had to have to be something like anti hypnoseal. Kruger photography or like oh. just something terrible that you know you're like, ah, come on, Freddy. <laughs> and then give him his whole team, like the pit crew, they just all come out. I'm telling you. Oh, man. He, Freddy had the <coughs> biggest entourage. Had he, to. Had to. What's, I, I don't want to spoil anything from the new Spider-Man flick, but I'm kind of thinking he's carrying a little bit of like the bad guy. There we go. Where he's got to have the people behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only as good as the the weakest <laughs> link in the, you know, in his glove, I guess. <laughs> and then he just slashes it. No, I like the way they dissected the tropes of the slashers. And they said, hey, this is how we did it, and this is why this people is, do it. Mm-hmm. In fact, like this is why people like horror movies. They're like, you, you like the thrill of the scare. I mean, they yeah. mention shit like that. I think it's really smart and fun. What I like about this versus something like um, Funny Games, where yeah. it makes you feel guilty for enjoying this, and instead you can go, no, I enjoy this because it's a fun movie, mm-hmm. you know, bottom line. Do you think this is normie-friendly? Actually, I think this could be very normie friendly because I, I think a lot of the normies would watch Scream and have probably mm-hmm. seen Scream. Um, in fact, I think this would make a wonderful triple feature with and do something like Scream, this and Tragedy Girls. Yeah. Which I think is another one that definitely plays, too, because I, I liked the final girls, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it played more like a comedy. comedy. I like Tragedy Girls a little bit more than Final Girls, too, but not, you know, not I anyone. I like them, them both, though. I mean, yes, they're both great. Um no, I would show this, digging up the marrow, and then tragedy girls. Nice, yeah, nice. Kinda. You can't go wrong throwing this in any kind, any kind of horror. Yeah. you know, marathon, regardless of what it is, because it works on many different levels—a horror comedy, meta horror, docudramedy, found footage, and yeah. you know, essence, and it's just a straight-up slasher film. Which is why we were closing out our whole summer of slashers with this film, because ultimately we wanted to make sure 
we wanted to talk about this, spread the word, because I know there are some horror fans that I know that haven't seen this film. Oh, man, you're missing out. It's one that don't sit on. Don't Especially if you're a horror fan, because this is a horror fan's movie. This is a this is one throughout the film you're gonna you're gonna giggle to yourself right and you, even if you're you're like a hardened cynic when it comes to that if you hate it when they name you know characters after horror directors what have you this even the most hardened cynic is probably gonna go that's nice I that's like funny. that that's yeah. great you know and then they'll just let it and wash they go back over to you. hating things but then like <laughs> then <laughs> it, it, you have to do that I guess but I, I fully embrace this one I love this film I highly recommend it check it out on uh, the Scream Factory Blu-ray support physical media when you can you know how we go with that absolutely so any surprises uh, throughout the, these last two months here Genius with our Summer of Slashers I enjoyed everything that we've done I, I mean this has been a lot of fun the Summer of Slashers I enjoyed it I enjoyed it uh, the fact that we got to finally do a Halloween commentary which in and of itself was great Got to see Laid to Rest, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked with that. That was a surprise now, for you. Granted, I'm going to say we had some people lined up initially to talk with that we will still meet with them right. because they're wonderful. They're awesome. Just they're busy, which is awesome, which mm-hmm. is the good thing, actually. Yeah, no, that's if, you're gonna thing. Be, if you're going to be, if you're if you can't do something, it's because you're busy doing awesome stuff, then which, that's hey, good. Yeah. Which means that's something we'll talk about later with them. Um, but here in the month of August, I don't. We we, we I think we're going to start doing more themed stuff potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the next week is actually we're going to kick the month of August off with our Crypticon KC episode. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll just go ahead and lament the loss, uh, Katie. We lost your ep- we lost your segment. Yeah. And it kills me because there was some gold. Yeah, there in was. There. Yeah, there was. And that was a f- yeah. But yeah. Hey. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. And it, it, you know what? We experienced it. Right. We, just another excuse to talk to the blonde in front. Right. Another a little private conversation that we can all just cherish. So until <laughs> next week, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and we will see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>